Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. You know, Friday night football games at Cumberland, that, that was the show. Everybody was there. I'm talking coal miners getting off of work, coal miners going to work on a different shift, had their, their clothes, work clothes on, sold out. We had good teams back then, so it was, it was a good show, but it was community pride. You know, I always say that, that high school is the last time it's us versus men. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachian Meets World, we're back again. It's Will. And Neil. What it is, brother. What's going on this week? Taking it one day at a time, Will, trying to keep it all together. How's that working out for you? You know, it's down to about every hour at a time at this point. Schedule's tight. Mr. Haddix that we had on last week had a big win this past week. Funny how we produce those those things, man. Come on our show and then go out and beat somebody 50 to 2 or whatever it was. (laughs) Smoke somebody. A little bit of app news for you. What's that, Will? Appalachia Regional Commission just came out with a new initiative. It's called the Arise Initiative. A-R-I-S-E, Arise Initiative. I wanted to mention it because it's $73.5 million grant initiative, but it's to spur multi-state collaboration. You know, we, we talk all the time about Appalachia being unified, being greater as one than separate. And that's exactly what this initiative gets at. You can't even apply unless you're working across state lines. So that's the one requirement that you have for application is that it's a multi-state collaboration and that it proposes to address at least one of their five priorities that we've mentioned before. And that's building business, building workforce ecosystems, building infrastructure, building regional culture and tourism, and building leaders and community capacity. But the main point there is that it's a multi-state collaboration, which I think is great for Appalachia overall, Appalachia to unite as one. And I think it's a great thing that the ARC is doing. Yeah. Anytime we can highlight ARC's direction and purpose, I think it's a good thing. So uh, just something else that they can add to their list. Yep, it's A-R-I-S-E, the Arise Initiative. You can check it out on their website, and they also have a toolkit with little case studies of examples of cross-state collaborations. So check it out. The other thing I wanted to mention, you know, we mentioned last week a couple of fairs, a couple of festivals, but the Chicken Festival's coming up in September. September the 21st through the 25th. We'll mention that again, I'm sure. We'll talk about that before it happens. But I wanted to mention that because there's another concert or fundraiser that same Friday and Saturday, September 23rd and 24th. I wanted to mention this because the tickets 
just went on sale for Healing Appalachia. So Healing Appalachia, it brings together music artists, fans, and the recovery community. It raises funds and awareness of ongoing battle of the opioid crisis in Central Appalachia. So it's a really cool thing that they do. Uh, it's got headliners of Tyler Childers, Margot Price, and Arlo McKinley ton of other great artists but i just wanted to mention that it's www.healingappalachia.org you can go there and buy tickets or check it out it's a great way to raise, fun, raise funds for the recovery community when did you say that is will september 23rd and 24th it's a friday and saturday yeah same weekend as the world chicken festival right yep hey man i want to want to ask you you talked about the game of the week the high school appalachia game of the week Pike four and Corbin. That was a pretty good game. Yeah, huh? it, yeah, it didn't disappoint. Will came down to the last couple minutes. You know, Pike four was in in control early. Got up early on Corbin. Corbin comes back, goes up a touchdown, and then was able to make a stop late in the game. Ended up winning by five, I think. Five or six was the final. I think the depth really maybe got to Pikeville. Pikeville being a 1A school, Corbin being a 4A school. They certainly uh, stepped up and played a great game, but then Corbin prevailed in the end. I really think that was a great choice for our first game of the week, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely. I think Corbin's got a solid squad this year. Uh, yeah, you know, they're Corbin, so uh, <laughs> good trip down there, and uh, they keep producing good football. I'm sure they'll be around when uh, when it's all said and done. Neil, I wanted to ask you, you know, we talked about Pikeville and Corbin, but do you have an Appalachian High School Game of the Week for us this week? Yeah, Will, I do. It's, uh, it's actually none other than the Appalachian Wireless Bowl game, and it is Knox Central High School. And Bell County. Traditionally, these two teams have uh, been pretty good. Bell's kind of owned this series for the last little bit. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about that game. I know there's a lot of hype going into it on both sides. So we'll see. We'll see who's developed and who's ready to go at Knox Central, Will. I wanted to ask you, man, I, I know this week is a little transition from the high school game. We're talking college football. It's week zero in college yes, football. Sir. Are you excited or what? Oh, man, you know, I've been waiting on this weekend for a long time now. I start getting excited in, in June for college football. So I'm, <laughs> I'm finally glad it's here. Until we really dive into college football, I wanted to ask you, man, have you seen the Netflix show? It's, it's one of the untolds, the Manta Teo story. Have I you have seen not. that? I have not. I man, have you got to watch it. it. You, you got to watch yeah. it. I mean, you know the story, right? Yeah. Kind of one of those catfishing stories, right? Before catfishing <laughs> was a thing. Yeah, but you gotta, you have to watch it. It's crazy, the actual details. I didn't realize after it happened, it just no one ever talked about it. He just kind of disappeared, you know. He obviously he went pro and he played for five, six, seven years, but I never really knew the backstory behind it. And I'm not going to tell you because it will spoil everything. But you gotta watch it. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> definitely i'll check it out i'm always looking for good uh netflix shows so i'll definitely yeah. put that on the list 
I had forgotten how good he was in college. I mean, he finished second in the Heisman in 2012. It was an interesting year, and then all that happened at the end, and it was just kind of threw him into a flux. It blew up right yeah. before the national championship game, and he, he played terrible. You got to check out the story, man. Check out the show. I just wanted to mention that because we're talking about college football tonight with the guest that we have on. He's a legend in the 606, played at the University of Kentucky, made his name at Cumberland High School, which is no longer there, which we'll get into. I said earlier, Will, I get I start getting excited in June for college football. This guest that we're having on tonight, man, he stays excited. And you and I talk all the time and we talk about different colleges and what they got but our guest tonight knows every detail of maybe every college football team in the country so I'm really looking forward to this episode and I know it'll be a great opener for the college football season. I know he was at media days a couple weeks ago he uh, covers football for KSR which is Kentucky Sports Radio. Before we get going on this episode I just wanted to mention and we talk about it with the guest a little bit but I just also wanted to mention you know as the waters are have receded in eastern kentucky so has the news coverage you know you don't see it on the news as much it's not it's not a main headline it's not a storyline but i don't want people to forget about the people of eastern kentucky i know there have been floods in west virginia there have been floods all over the country really but there was really devastation in eastern kentucky which i know Our guest tonight is going to talk about a little bit his own personal experience being from the area, going back to the area, supporting the area. I don't want us to forget about the long-term rebuild of that area and and the people, you know. Like we mentioned before, just catastrophic devastation over there, and there's a lot we can do besides the immediate relief. There's a lot we can do to fund the the long-term rebuild, the long-term relief for those people that are struggling. You know, and even though they are struggling, they're Appalachians, so they're not going to tell you that they're struggling. They're not ever going to admit that they're struggling. They're resilient people, very prideful people, very independent. I just wanted to mention that and, you know, continue to help out where you can, where you can. I know this is one organization that we haven't mentioned before, but it's Eastern Kentucky Mutual Aid, EKY Mutual Aid. You can check them out in various locations. I don't think they have a website, but you can check them out on Twitter at EKY Mutual Aid. They're a grassroots organization that takes donations and gives the funds directly to people on the ground that need it. Thanks for mentioning that, Will. Definitely don't want to forget about the flood victims. And again, grateful to have Freddie Maggard on with us tonight. Freddie Maggard talking about college football and mentioning, just to mention college football, Neil and I, I know last year we came up with the 17-team Appalachian Football Conference. The 17 teams are Alabama. Georgia, Penn State, Clemson, West Virginia, Old Miss, Auburn, Kentucky, Virginia Tech, Mississippi State, Pittsburgh, Marshall, Tennessee, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, Appalachia State, and Ohio University. So every Thursday morning, we're going to be going over the Appalachian games of the week and Giving our predictions for each game. Obviously, some of them will play each other, so it won't be 17, but we'll give our predictions and keep track going throughout the year. And in regards to the predictions, Neil and I are going to have a little inside bet. That I will win. So the winner can decide what the loser does. No tattoos. No tattoos. I don't think I can get a tattoo. 
Yeah, I can't do that either. Whoever wins will decide what the loser has to do. So every week we'll we'll make the picks of the 17 Appalachian teams and see who wins at the end of the year. So every Thursday morning we'll be on Facebook Live. So check us out. Like we mentioned before, Freddie Maggard, the expert on Kentucky football, KSR sports journalist. You want to get him on here? Absolutely. Let's go. On the special college preview episode tonight, we have a, actually a special guest to Neil and I. We grew up watching him play high school and college football. Freddie Maggard, he grew up in central Appalachia in Harlan County where he played at Cumberland High School. What he refers to, and Neil and I refers to as the 606, where he led the football team to two state title appearances as a quarterback. In basketball, he was all-state and a thousand-point scorer. In baseball, he was an all-state pitcher and led Cumberland to three regional championships and was drafted in 1987 by the Kansas City Royals. He later was inducted into the Kentucky High School Athletic Association Hall of Fame. He went on to have a stellar career at the University of Kentucky as a quarterback from 88 to 91 and ranks 15th on the UK's passing yards all time. He's a former Yeah, that's getting ready to get passed. (laughs) Will Levis is going to pass all that. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. (laughs) Hey, I I appreciate the intro, man. that's, That's the long version, isn't it? So I, I got a little bit more. I got a little bit more. Oh, I'm good. I'm good, man. <laughs> I, just, I didn't want to mention this. He's a former member of the 1st Battalion, 149th Infantry of the National Guard, and we want to thank you for your service. And now he's a regular columnist, sports journalist for Kentucky Sports Radio, has his own podcast, The Depth Chart, if, if you want to check it out. He, he talks about Kentucky football there and is on other media outlets. So, Freddie, we just want to thank you for being here. Appreciate your time. Yeah, man, thank you. That's that's quite the introduction. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really uh, – we talked about your podcast before we started recording, and, and, and I'm just glad you said it right. I mean, it's not Appalachia, it's Appalachia. <laughs> I hear that all the time up here, and that wears me out. So I make a lot of on-spot corrections about Appalachia and Appalachia. Uh, oh. No, I, I, was, I was born in Perry County in Hazard. I was actually raised in, in Partridge and Letcher County and went to school in Harlan County. You know, my whole life before college, I was Appalachian and uh, remain that way today. I'm a proud uh, uh, 606 is a badge of honor for me. And, uh, you know, I will always fight for the people back home and have a great deal of love for the mountain area of Kentucky. You, you're jumping right in, Freddie. We, we definitely, yeah. we're definitely going to get to that. One thing that we ask all our guests and we wanted to ask you, we always kick it off with this question. Serious question. Yeah. Neil and I's family, we're big on tradition. Like most Appalachians, one of the traditions we have are appetizers at the holidays. We usually have this gigantic spread of appetizers, usually more than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you real quick, do you have a favorite appetizer or just a holiday dish? Yeah, no, devil eggs before you eat, man. You know, (laughs) both my parents, both my parents have passed on, but my sister kind of holds that tradition down. But when my parents were still with us, we'd all meet at their house and, uh, you know, I'd eat 14, 15 deviled <laughs> eggs, pickled <laughs> eggs, whatever you want to call them. 
uh, you know, kind of stuffed myself before the meal came out. You know how it is. You didn't, you couldn't eat until granddad, you know, my dad, big Fred said the prayer. If you did, you know, if you ate anything other than pickled eggs or deviled eggs before the prayer, you, you, you get a good slap. So yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what, that, that's kind of what my go-to food was. Yeah. You speak, you speak into Neil's heart. He's a deviled egg. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, man. Eggs. I had I had four of them today, Freddie. Before our yeah. uh, family got together, uh, we we had a birthday in the family today to celebrate. So uh, we had yeah. that for it. Don't matter Absolutely. what time of year you get to our house, we always have. Absolutely. We had you on this episode to talk about the upcoming football season, how important college football is in Appalachia to Appalachia yeah. communities. But first, considering what's happened over the last couple of weeks, we we wanted to touch on the devastation in Eastern Kentucky a little bit. Since Neil and I and you were, were all from the 606, you wrote an r- article yeah. recently, really, really good piece that I read about being from the 606. You know, you use a word in it that Neil and I use frequently on this podcast, resilient, which, you know, the people yeah. in Appalachia are very resilient, have been for, for years and years. But we wanted to ask you, can you let our listeners know what it means to be from that 606 or what it means? to you to be Appalachian. Yeah, it, it means resilience. You know, during my lifetime, we've seen the coal boom and the coal bust and everything that happened because of that. There were obviously social, economical ramifications of the highs and lows of the economy and, and, and unemployment and et cetera. But through the good and the bad, I feel that the Appalachian folks, especially, you know, I'm, I'm more familiar with the 606 southeastern Kentucky have had have been called on to be more resilient than a lot of people. I mean, it's just it's just something after something after something for our home area. But, you know, I, I just recently went over to the to the flooded areas in Breffitt County, Knott County and Letrick County. And a couple of things. One, I met a bunch of heroes. Now, he, he, athletes are not heroes. Let's just get that, that out there. I met some true heroes. I met educators, uh, first responders, volunteers, givers, workers, you name it. And they were worn out. But And you could see the worry in their eyes. You could see the fatigue in their eyes. But they, they weren't stopping. They was going to keep on doing what they had to do to help. And also, you know, on my way back to Versailles, Lexington area, from the mountains, I saw a countless number of trucks and, and things of people bringing stuff to the 606 to help. That was heartwarming. But the thing that, that stuck with me most is, one, if you've not been over there, it's worse than you could ever imagine. It was worse than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I saw a, a fire truck upside down in the river. You see, tr- I saw a, a truck stuck in the trees about 15 foot high. I mean, it is devastating. And then you get into the loss of life. I think the last count was 37. And that just breaks my heart. You know, I was watching this in the news. And every night I would watch the day's news and just cry, man, because, you know, it's those people mean so much to me. It means so much to me to be from there and to understand everything that they've gone through. And now you throw this flood on there on top of that. And there's loss of lives. People's lives have changed forever. Generations of people living in the same area. The homes are, you know, it's just gone. And that broke my heart. So I went over there Friday just to try to do what I could to help. Went over with KSR. You know, it was worse than I imagined. Uh, it was tough. It was emotional. But I was uplifted by the spirit and the soul and the personality of southeastern Kentucky, Appalachia, uh, because, you know, they're fighters, they're resilient, and they're helping each other. And uh, this is going to take some time. This is, I mean, it it really is. 
I hope this, the, the, you know, flood relief doesn't go off the radar for so many people because this is going to take time to help that region get back on their feet. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to mention that. Neil and I, like I mentioned before, you know, we grew up in Pineville. And in 77, we had yeah. a in Pineville. The entire town was covered 15 foot of water. I remember being in middle school, they would turn on the heaters, still had flood mud in the heaters by the time yeah. I was one during the flood in the high school. So this yeah. is not going to be one of those things where overnight, no. you, you know, something changes. But when the cameras are gone, the news cycles that shift, right. what can we do? Where can we go to donate? What, what are these people going to need for the long term? You know, I think you I think you just said something very important, the long term. I think the short term needs, they're not all met, but they're being met like water. Uh, you know, that, that was something that there's a lot of over there now. Cleaning supplies, clothes, snacks, you name it. Those are immediate needs, but I think the long-term needs. Whitesburg, middle school, you know, just an example of sports, because that's what I do for a living. The basketball team, the, the girls and boys basketball team, the volleyball team, cheerleaders all lost everything they had. So they have no uniforms, they have no shoes, no mats for wrestling and cheerleading. I mean, that that's stuff that's gone. So it's going to take time, I think, financial one thing I keep hearing over there is the financial need that they're going to have uh, because so many people lost their homes, lost everything. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't have flood insurance right here. And and, and I don't know how many people did. You know, that I, I just there's so much to eat. But I think the long term financial giving, uh, whether it's through the Red Cross or KSR has a fund with the Chamber of Commerce, you know, somewhere, you know, that the, the fund that you're giving is going to go to a, a the right place and the right people are going to get it. I hope people continue to give because listen, that, that trip I made on Friday changed my life. I mean, just seeing the devastation that that water did. And, you know, with Pineville where you guys, I, I remember that flood. I'm older than you. And I remember the flood walls that were built at Pineville as a result of that. And if you've never been to Pineville in Bell County, I mean, it looks, I mean, they got, it looks like a big old door. You can just shut, <laughs> shut, shut it and, and block off the whole town and road. So yeah, that, that, it's, there's going to be a lot of, lessons from this about you know the riverways and and roads uh, you know it's just it's a lot lot to take in and it's just overwhelming and and i just i don't know where to start and i don't know where to finish telling the story we had a guest on just a week before it happened from the Heinemann settlement school she was the director yeah. of the dyslexia program which is an incredibly important program for that region it's the only one in the area yeah. for kids with dyslexia and now this program you know in Heinemann school is underwater as we speak. Yep. And, and you know, I, I think Silas it. House wrote some really good piece on, on the Hyman Settlement School uh, recently. Yeah. But I, I've heard you mention before, you, you mentioned other high schools, you know, giving back to the region, even Justin Haddix, who we had on previously yeah. at Bull County. Bull County, I know their, their team has come down to help out because he originally went to yeah. Bradley County. But I've heard you mention before that you've had a stellar career at UK, played multiple sports, but your biggest highlights were at Cumberland, playing high school at Cumberland. How important is high school athletics to small towns in Appalachia? And what did it mean to you to to grow up there? What did it mean to the town to have athletics, which which a lot of these towns aren't going to have for a while? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and to take it a little bit further for your audience, a lot of the small towns no longer have community school. And I think that's hurt the area. 
I know in Harlan County at one time there were over 20 high schools and now there's one in the county and one in Harlan City. You know, Cumberland, where I, where I went to school, is no longer a, a program or a high school. And I think the consolidation has been good because it's helped advance education offer opportunities. And I, I totally get that. But for the athletic part of it, you know, I can just speak for myself and where I traveled with our team, you know, Friday night football games at Cumberland, that, that was the show. Everybody was there. I'm talking coal miners getting off of work, coal miners going to work on a different shift, had their, their clothes, work clothes on, sold out. We had good teams back then. So it was, it was, a, it was a good show, but it was community pride. You know, I always say that, that high school is the last time it's us versus them. Because when you get to a Kentucky or a Tennessee or wherever you go to college, you, you play for Nike. You don't play for that school. I mean, just, just, just be honest with about it. And you're playing with guys that, guys that are coming in and out. You know, you can have a team, but it's, you know, you're also working for that professional level, you know, and everybody was the best player on their team. So, you know, you have different stuff. So it's not as close. Actually, my favorite sports moment, you know, and I, I played on teams that beat Georgia a couple of times, you know, and beat LSU. We had some good moments in college and traveled all over the Southeast. But my best sports moment ever was winning the eighth grade Harlan County football championship. We beat Wallens Creek <laughs> in the championship. And, and, and that bus ride home as eighth graders, because we'd come up all the way through, you know, that was the most pure version of team that I've ever been a part of. And that's my fondest sports memory is that bus ride home after winning the county championship, which was, you know, like the Super Bowl to us. You know, the, the, the eighth grade team, seventh eighth grade team, played on Thursday night, high school Friday night. So that was my fondest memory. But, you know, all sports, football, basketball, and baseball, it's about the relationships that, that we had that I still have today. You know, as, as I get older, the number of people that I talk to dwindles. My circle is closed. And I'll be honest with you, the people that I talk to today on a personal level, are the are the are the friends the guys that I went to sixth grade with all the way through graduation from high school? You know, I, I always heard the term. You know who your friends are when you're on a road trip and you look down and look at your call list on your phone. Who'd you call on a road trip? And they're all the people that I call. You know, Chris Hernandez, my best friend for forty something years from Cumberland. Kevin Reinhardt, Ricky Craig, all these Lewis Morris, all these guys I grew up with. That's who I call on the road trip just to, you know, make it a little bit more fun. So being from there and, and playing there, you know, is, is so much pride for me and love for, for, for my hometown. I just I, – I couldn't have said it better myself. Will and I are kind of from the same – we both played football, basketball, and baseball in high school and played football in college. And I, I'm now coaching middle school football because I have a son that that age and I can see it in, in those boys eyes just like the initial I guess first part of being a great teammate and starting starting from the bottom because that's where yeah. they're at right now but they they love it so much and they're so nervous at times and it just cracks me up because it's it's their world right now yeah it's important so, to us. Yeah, yeah. You talking about your community and being from Harlan and, and the great the the great stories that you have and the, the fond memories that you have just reminded me there, just reflecting on my career as well. It's some of the same type of thing. So it's funny to hear you say that a guy that has achieved so much at the collegiate level 
but you always go back to, to those days in Harlan. Do you think that, that that's different in other parts of the country or is that something that is just happens in Appalachia or does that happen everywhere? I don't think it happens everywhere because the population is more transient in the urban areas. You know, I live in Versailles now and so, you know, pe- people move in and out, you know, based on jobs and things of that nature where uh, growing up, you know, going to Cumberland, you had people, that, you know, that was it, you know, you have to try right. to get to Cumberland, you know, you ha- it takes <laughs> effort to get to Cumberland. Yeah. I- I'd say it's lessened because your group of team, your teammates rotate more and, uh, you know, you may play in different leagues. And I, I think, you know, I don't want to sound uh, like an old, old dude, which I am an old dude, <laughs> but I think, I think the year round sports, I think is bad one thing because Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's horrible for the kids physically. Dr. James Andrews, the world's best orthopedic surgeon, says it's bad. So I, he operated on me. I believe him. One, two, I think if you play seven, eight, nine games a day, winning and losing doesn't matter as much. Three, you're playing with people from all over and you don't have a sense of community with your team. And, and I don't like that. I, I would prefer to play with my team, you know, so I think that's taken away from a little bit of, of that community team aspect, along with consolidation, you know, because now, you know, in Appalachia, again, Harlan County, I mean, you've got to check me on this, but Harlan County was one of the most populated counties in Kentucky at one time. You know, the Tri-Cities where I grew up was humongous. Lynch yeah. High School won four or five state championships. Lynch had a probably, what, 10, 15,000 people in it right now, may have 700, 800. Yeah. So the population shift has hurt it, but losing that losing that community school schools because in Tri Cities you had Cumberland, you had two Benham schools and two Lynch schools, and you know that all went down to Cumberland during my time. The Lynch combined into Cumberland, Benham combined into Lynch, and it's just a lot of of consolidation. You take that out, and now if I still live there, it would take me forty five minutes to get to the high school from my house wow. and that that take for me i mean and that's okay because there's so much educational benefit to consolidation they have better facilities more computers more everything and that's the most important part let's not fool ourselves of high schools is, is the education right but sure. but i do i do think appalachia lost something when cumberland doesn't play everts anymore because everts is no longer a school you know or Cumberland doesn't play Whitesburg anymore. Neon doesn't play Whitesburg. You know stuff like yeah. that. You lost a lot of rivalry. You know, I, I don't. I don't know how some of these consolidated schools are supported, uh, and I think it's lesser than when during the community schools. The reason <laughs> reason why we had you on here is talk about college football. But you mentioned yeah. before college football has become a business, and it has. But I I feel like college football oh, yeah. is a little bit different in Appalachia. Come come Labor Day, especially in Appalachia. People say the South, but in Appalachia, there's just that that feeling that people get that belongingness to their their home state, their home team. How excited do you get about the college football season, the start of it? You know, I get, I get very excited, obviously. But just an, another little thing about where I grew up, we didn't get UK games. We got uh, we didn't get any Kentucky television stations. We got Knoxville, uh, Bristol Kingsport, Johnson City, and that was it. We, so. 
we had to go to Lexington to watch UK play. It was before YNT, if that says anything. So, yeah, man, I, I you know, I, I love it. It's it's what I do for a living. A lot of folks don't know I do the business side of KSR too, and that takes a lot of my time for the website. So that that's that's really my primary job is is the business side of the website, but I also you know do football. But yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, it's a special time of the year. I love the fall. Growing up, I mean. Yeah. Listen, you know, I, I can remember fondly with my dad sitting around the kitchen table and I, he would give me a quarter if I could name all the starters for Kentucky and I <laughs> nailed it every time. And we would listen to Kaywood Leffer just like we were there. And you go, you know, where I grew, you know, up the river from Cumberland, you go to anybody's house and they would be on the porch or they would be out in the yard or whatever, but you, Kaywood was on because you didn't get them on TV every game. And, and that was a special moment. And I think, you know, Tom Leach has done a beautiful job of carrying that 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 over, uh, but yeah, it's special because I mean it's passionate Kentucky fans, especially in Appalachia. I mean it is they'll fight you. I mean it's just, it is it is what it is, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. I always say Kentucky's a football. People think Kentucky's a basketball state, and they'd be wrong, especially at the high school level. You know, I travel somewhere in Kentucky every Friday. We have the Kroger KSR game of the week, and Anytime we go east of I-75 and south, it's packed. I mean, the crowds are just packed. You know, they always say, well, I'm ready. after this game, we, we're heading to Lexington, you know, we're heading you know, whatever. So I think it's a special time, and people really, really love football, especially in Appalachia. It's kind of it's kind of part of it. Neil and I, last year, we put together a list of the Appalachian D1 football team. So there's yeah. seven, 17, 17 within Appalachia. With with this new college, you know, conference moves, yeah, SEC getting bigger, Big Ten getting bigger, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think that's going to mean for these Ohio universities, the Appalachian states? Are they just going to get left out when it comes to the national championship? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. I think I, here's how, I mean, I could be wrong, but it's about it's all about money. Anything as far as college athletics are about two things. Number one is money. Number two is football. Even in the state of Kentucky, where basketball is big, right? It's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. I mean, just to be quite honest with you, it is. I think I saw somewhere in the year 2025, the SEC would be more financially viable or, or, or have more money than the NCAA. So I can't see the NCAA staying in the dance much longer because why? Why listen to them when you you, you have all the money and you, and you have all the control? So I, I think it's going to break off. You're going to have an NFC, AFC type thing with two super conferences. And, you know, I think the ACC is, is going to die because you're going to – ACC is going to – North Carolina is a much more valuable brand than Clemson believe it or not. And then, you know, you're going to have that. The Big Ten is going to expand some more and just have an AFC, NFC, and have their own set of rules. But I do think the NCAA is valuable. I'm not a fan of the NCAA, by the way. But I do think it's, it, it, it provides a valuable service for non-football tournaments. So I think the future of the NCAA is just to be a tournament director, and that's it. Again, you're making more money than them, so why should you listen to them? But they do a good job with the men's and women's basketball, gymnastics, baseball. They do a good job of that tournament. So I think it's going to – it's going to – football is going to be its own thing, and then everybody else is going to be under the NCAA. But as far as Ohio, Appalachian State, Marshall, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be tough. 
Yeah, just wanted to ask you what what you think about the transfer portals, NIL, is that harmful yeah. for smaller schools, is, or is it just kind of the way of the future, and will it be regulated? What do you, what do you yeah. think about well, I think, I think, you know, again. And, and what would Freddie Maggard have done with NIL? Oh, God. I'd have had every coal company sticker on my own. <laughs> I'd have made a fortune. Here's the deal. I, I think, again, we're talking college athletics. So let's, let's just be honest about it. Let's, it's about football. So I think college football could have absorbed the transfer portal and it could have absorbed name, image, and likeness. But both of those hit basically at the same time. So now you have two seismic shifts at the same time and it's overwhelmed the system. I'm okay with the transfer portal if it's if it's enforced as a one-time portal. But how many basketball players do you see on their third, fourth, fifth team? How does that happen? You know, if you're going to have it enforced, you can transfer one time or you can transfer as a grad and that's it. But it's not being enforced. It, it, it's not. Again, the, what are you doing in NCAA besides right. running tournaments? Nothing. <laughs> uh, but name, image, and likeness, I'm all for that. I think it's great. I don't like it as, in terms of recruiting or an incentive. But you can't, you can't really there, – there's two ways to look at the, that. The term incentive as far as recruiting and retention. We praise players that get name, image, and likeness deals to stay at your favorite school. But that's an enticement, is it not? Then we bash kids coming out of high school that are getting name, image, and likeness money to sign on the dotted line. That's very hypocritical in my opinion. So you can't have it both ways. I'm all for name, image, and likeness. I don't want these kids to make every dime that they can. I love it. I love the chaos. I love everything about it. But I, I do think – You're a journalist. Have, yeah, I, I do think there's going to have to be some, you know – and the hypocritical coaches saying, well, we need guardrails. Yeah, you're the one, you know. that. But, but again, coach, co- coaches aren't involved. It's the collective. It's not the coach. It's not the school. It's the, the outside organization. I'm all for that. Again, if that helps the players get money, I love it, and I'm all for it. I think there's going to have to be some guidelines on it, but until then, I hope I hope players get everything that they can because I like it. You alluded to how much money Freddie Maggard would have made in the NIL. Oh, in the a NIL fortune. World. A fortune. <laughs> so, so my question I'll, about NIL is: Will Reed Shepard be the number one NIL kid of all time in the state? Probably, of <laughs> probably, yeah, probably, yeah, and good for Reed. You know, yeah, yeah. Stacy and Jeff, I'm, good I'm, for them. So if you if you can set yourself up for life financially, I'm all for that. You know, Oscar, I think is going to do a great with NIL at yeah. Kentucky, and and good for him. Will Levis yeah. is doing good. Good for him. I want to see more of it. But here here's when I think there's going to be serious alterations with name, image, and likeness. When school presidents and ADs start saying are, are losing money that goes to those big video boards and the naming rights of stadiums and all that starts going to players instead of the universities, yeah. then, the, then the college presidents, university presidents will say, well, this is bad for the integrity of the game. No, it's bad <laughs> for your pocketbook, you know? <laughs> Exactly right. Until that ha- when that happens, I think if, if football is still under the NCAA, something may happen. But listen, I, I love it. I want these kids to get all the money they can. Back to you personally, and growing up in the mountains, and and you know playing three sports and excelling at three sports. 
Was there ever a doubt that, that you were going to the University of Kentucky? Yeah, there was. Not not UK. You know, I really held out to my first day when I went to UK, my first class. If I went to class for the first time, then I'd given up going to the draft for baseball. So yeah. that was kind of on my mind. You know, I can remember Coach Claiborne. And uh, Coach Strock came to the Corbin game, baseball game. I'd already signed with Kentucky. And, you know, word started getting out, hey, listen, you're, you're going to get drafted. So, obviously, well, they wanted me at Kentucky because that's their job to do that. So, they came to the Corbin game, and I hit three home runs and threw a no-hitter. And <laughs> after the game, it was just like, you know, and there was a ton of scouts there. And, and I honestly, I didn't know which way I was going to go, to be to be quite honest with you at that point. But, you you know, it worked out. Everything everything worked out for the best, and I'm glad. I'm very happy with my decision. It's given me a good life. If name, image, and likeness would have been there, I probably wouldn't be talking to y'all right now. I'd be, you know, living on Lake Cumberland or something. But listen, uh, yeah, it worked out great for me. You know, I, I played a lot of years. My parents passed away, and they had trophies. I mean, just stuff, stuff. You know what I mean? I have one trophy or medallion or whatever in my house right now and that's my khsa hall of fame ribbon medallion not because that says that i did something but the way i went through that process of you know the hall they khsa does a wonderful job with the hall of fame you know you can invite people and, and they're there to share it with you i have my junior high football coach there my high school baseball coach my best friend you know people that i care about but that's the only medallion i have in my house because that is not my award I wanted to make sure that I think and showed appreciation to the volunteers that were lining the Little League field or the or the concession stand workers at the Little League field, the people that painted the football field, you know, those that cleaned the gym, the coaches, teammates. For me, it was a community award. You don't get a bus, but you get a plaque with your picture on it that looks fancy. You know, it's not just like a picture, but uh, you get one that's in the Hall of Fame Museum at the KHSAA that stays there. Then you get one to take home. So the one I got to take home, I took it to Harlan County High School and said, here, y'all do whatever y'all want with it. You know, this isn't so people can see this about me, but it's if people, if kids see that and they say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. That's why I wanted it in the high school. And I don't, and I'll never have it in my possession. For me, that was the pinnacle as far as any awards or whatever, because it was about the community. It was about my Appalachian community all the way from fourth grade, starting out playing little guy football, little league, up through, you know, the end of my high school career. It's about them. It's not about me. You're a humble guy, obviously, Freddie. I think when Neil gets his KHSA plaque, if, if he does, he's going to probably put it above his mantle. He definitely, <laughs> he definitely won't give it to the high school. But seriously, though, you're really – and I think that's that's a lot of the Appalachia in you, being that yeah. humble. That's just how Appalachians are. But I wanted to, to ask you – I remember watching you when I was really little, but I also remember watching Jerry Claiborne teams. And it was a yeah. lot of run right, run left, run right, punt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if, yeah. if, yeah. if you – if they would have let you aired it out a little bit more, where do you think you would rank on the uh, – would you still be at 15th on the all-time passing record? No, I'd have been much higher than that, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I remember I remember, wanting, I remember saying just let Freddie throw it. I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> 
uh, uh, I interviewed Will Levis last week, and I was like thinking to myself, what do I have? I actually wrote an article about how little he and I have in common. Their college experiences are so different. And, you know, we play the same position at the same school. Maybe I handed the football off better than him. I don't know. But that would be the only <laughs> thing I did better than him would be handing the football off. But, uh, you know, going back to Appalachia and, you know, being from home, I remember we played Pineville, your hometown, in the playoff. And it was the one of the few games that almost got canceled because of the rain. And they set the football down and it float. So they <laughs> It was it was just the nastiest, you know how that field, you know, yeah. which is a beautiful field. The grass is always really nice for high school yeah. field. But by the time you get to November, man, it was a mud pit. <laughs> and we didn't throw a pass the entire game. I remember that. So I mentioned before, Neil and I had the 17-team All-Appalachian Football League. We uh, ranked it last year as the season was going on. But essentially, it came down to the battle of the Appalachians between Alabama and Georgia for the national title, both yeah. in Appalachia. So I wanted to ask you, really, yeah. when it comes to the king of college football, it comes to the SEC. Who, so who's going to win the SEC this year? You know, I, I'd love to say Kentucky. But Kentucky has a chance to go to Atlanta. You got a dude at quarterback, you got a chance, and they got a dude at quarterback. So Kentucky definitely has a chance. I think when it's all said and done, this is going to be one of the most dominant Alabama teams that Nick Saban's ever put on the field. Wow. And that's saying something. Yeah. Yeah, look out. That's how good I think Bama is. I, I agree with you. Uh, this is just a personal question, I guess, curiosity. But did you ever eat a banana hole when you were in college? Did you no. ever put, put mayonnaise in your coffee? Or did you have, did you have any no. superstitions? Superstitions, yes. On Fridays, you know, we would have practice, a walkthrough on a home game, right? So let's just do a home game. Visiting games kind of the same, but let's just say we're playing at home. So you go to practice and go back to the dorm, you know, take a shower, put your coat and tie on and go back to the facility. So I, my superstition was I read the National Enquirer on the bus ride from Fieldhouse to the hotel. And from the hotel to the stadium, I read the National Enquirer. That was kind of my superstition. Uh, <laughs> You're definitely so in your age, man. I don't even think they yeah. those anymore. <laughs> yeah. So as far as bananas and all that stuff, one year, I can't remember which year, I was battling cramps really bad. I mean, real bad. You know, doctors, you know, UK, and then you get trained. That's high-dollar medicine. They couldn't figure it out. So my mom had enough of it and drove from Partridge to, to Lexington. And she brought, you know, the paper sacks that you used to get at grocery stores. She brought those and soaked them in vinegar and made this concoction with honey and vinegar and bananas. And then the, the kicker of it was she made me put my shoes upside down below my bed because that prevented cramps. <laughs> so she brought some Appalachian medicine up to UK yeah. for my cramps, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> speaking speaking of, of players, and not not to change the course of where we're going, but players in the mountains. If you could pick one or tell us who's the best player in the mountains or to come out of the mountains ever, but Tim Couch has got excluded from. Oh this. wow, you're excluding Tim. That was that's best, obviously best number player one ever. Yeah, save Tim Couch. God. Football player ever from the mountains. Man, that's tough. Uh, you know, I don't know if he was the best player ever, and he didn't play his senior year in the mountains, but Houston Hogg is my, was my guy. Uh, he was one of the one of the uh, uh, gentlemen that, that's on the statue in front of the, uh, the Joe Craft Center. 
from Hazard. Yeah, yeah. He, he I love that guy. Love talking to him. My roommate Joey Couch, may he rest in peace. He was a he's a heck of a player. I mean, there's some Vic Adams, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Man, they're just there's okay. some. Oh, okay, I know. Uh, uh, Roger Bird from Corbin. Yeah, that, that's got to be the, yeah, because he played for the Raiders and I give you that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to go with yeah. I, I go with him. I didn't see him play, but that's that's who I go with. What about coming from the mountains? Did you get treated? Neil, Neil and I talk about it all the time how how we got oh, treated different. I went to Western. Neil went to Georgetown, and we we got treated like aliens. Did you get treated yeah, differently yeah. on the football team because of your accent? Oh yeah, people would would have a, a soft drink that's spelled S P R I T E, then they would. Hold it up and want me to say what that meant, you know, <laughs> Sprite, you know, you know, things like that. Just yes, and then I won't tell you who, and I won't tell you how or where. But let's just say there was a mountain player that met with a uh, college advisor, said he wanted to study engineering, and the college advisor said, "You do realize that's not the person that drives a coal train, don't you?" So yeah, it's it, it was bad, man. You know, everybody, it was like I was from Mars, but they loved it. I mean, you know, because you know, I, was I good or not? I mean, that's up to for debate, but nobody could ever question if I was tough or not. That was never, never in doubt. And I think that was my upbringing, my personality from Appalachia. You know, you can hit me, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to get up and I'm get in your face. You know, I'm not going to stay down. I think that's indicative of the Appalachian region for decades and decades is we get knocked down, but we get up. And, you know, people think we talk funny, but we still get up and we keep fighting and that's what's going on right now especially in those areas with the floods i mean again i hate to go back to that but i'm telling you that was a life-changing moment over there and my my thoughts and prayers go out to all those people over there it's just heartbreaking absolutely so so tell me we mentioned best player from the mountains but who's the best football player ever from harlan and also who's the best athlete ever from harlan because that's totally different I think I think they're both the same person. That's Wawa Jones. Yeah, yeah. Wawa Jones, what was an All American football, basketball, baseball. You know, I, I don't think that'd ever be topped. But I don't think I'm ever going to get him after himself, am I? Will nice. Harlan County? I mean, Harlan County has produced some dudes. Charles Thomas was a really good basketball player from there. Oh, Bill yeah. Cox, you know, George Massey at Cumberland. Paul Gaffney played 15 years for the Harlem Globetrotters. I grew up with him. He's from yeah. Benham, Cumberland area. So, but the best basketball player I ever saw from that area uh, was a guy named Nick Sanford that played at Kwood. He was unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable player. Back to college football, more specifically uh, University of Kentucky. Will Mark Stoops go down as the best football coach ever at University of Kentucky? He already is, in my opinion. Already is. Not even close. And for me to say it's that over Jerry Claver, who I just spent 30 minutes with at the College Football Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago, that said a lot for me. But, yeah, he already he already is. They need to stop naming stuff around the football field, stadium, because of Mark Stoops. You know, he's, t- he's going to tie Bear after they beat Miami of Ohio. Then when they beat Florida, he's going to go past Bear. How do you think uh, or who do you give credit to in, in us being fortunate enough to keep him around for the last decade? You know, Mitch Barnhart's got a lot to do with it because he, you know, Mark's first team was like two and two and ten, five and seven, five and seven or so, you know, and, and some folks was like, hey, what's going on here? I knew what was going on because I knew where he started 
at the absolute bottom. I mean, they, that, you know, God bless them. They're fellow Wildcats, but there was not much talent on those teams. So it took a while. But I think Mitch Barnhart, you know, just for staying with him and believing and giving him time to, to build that thing and for the culture that he's installed. I mean, he's not done it with trick plays and, you know, air raids and all that stuff. He's done it by <laughs> – we take pride in that in Appalachia, but Youngstown is a whole different attitude. Youngstown in brought, Appalachia. Yeah, I mean that's that's the attitude around that football program. You got to be tough. You got to be physical. I mean, you're not going to last down there. So I think he's already the best coach to ever coach there, and uh, I think they need to stop naming stuff around that facility. Well said. So we ask all of our guests this this question, and and we just like to get the the responses, just whatever rolls off the tongue first. Uh, when I say this word to you, we yeah. ask everybody this. But when I say this word, what what's the first thing you think about when I say Appalachia? Pride. Yeah, pride in the community, pride from being from there, pride from everything that Appalachia stands for. Yeah, and people from the outside would think totally opposite if you're from there. They would yeah. think that you aren't proud of being there, but it's it's a totally opposite when you're from there. You're you're I, yeah. Neil and I the same way. We're so proud of where we're from, which is another reason yeah. we started this podcast. That's ninety percent. Other than it became a time for us to talk to each other on a more routine basis, but more importantly, it, it has given us the opportunity to gas up Appalachia. So yeah. I love that answer of pride, and that's really essentially why why we're doing this. One other question that we ask all our guests: place and perspective. We kind of ground this podcast on us place is really important in Appalachia so we we wanted to ask you like we ask everyone and you you you've already talked about it you've talked about this entire episode but just where do you call home why do you call it home what makes it unique for you yeah so home for me is is the tri-cities in Harlan County and you know I actually grew up in Electric County which is just right across the border so that Partridge uh, Cumberland River down to the tri-cities area is is home for me and will always be home for me and it's unique because of wow you could do a series of podcasts on the tri-cities and the history behind Cumberland Benham and Lynch I love you know the history of diversity of, of the communities the newspaper was printed in five languages up until 1960 or something like that. You had U.S. Steel and Lynch, which was Pittsburgh. So you had Pittsburgh people coming to Lynch to live. International Harvester was Denham. Both those coal companies, U.S. Steel and International Harvester, that was out of Chicago. And then Cumberland was just a just a combination of both. And I think it's a very, very unique. It's one of the most unique places in America, not just in Appalachia, that I'm very proud of. For me, you know, I said pride when you asked one word, but another word I could have easily said is, is people. I think people make Appalachia. Speaking of people, yeah. if, you, if you could travel the country and pick one person, who would you pick? Matt Jones, Ron Lemon, Drew Franklin, or Shannon the Dude? One guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to say Matt because, you know, he's the boss. Oh, come on. You guys, you have to. I know, I know Matt's the least likely one that I would take. Come on. Okay, man. let's ask that again and exclude Matt because he's the boss. And I, he's like, he's Matt's paid. like Tim Couch. Matt's like yeah, Tim Couch. Yeah. Take him out. <laughs> Golly. You know, I love all four of those people. Uh, I mean, tremendously love for those guys. And, you know, they're off air. The real version of them is, is so sweet. So between Drew, Ryan, and Shannon, I would I would exclude Shannon because he stays up too late. 
<laughs> Ryan snores, so he's out. I'd go with Drew because Drew's a sweetheart, and Drew really yeah. likes unique stuff like I do. And yeah, I'd have to go with my guy Drew. Uh, we're both big on coffee. <laughs> All four of those guys seem like really great people. Which is, oh, they're uh, great. Matt's love from back home. You know, no matter how where his status goes, as far as all the empire that he's built, I mean, he he's always focused on the 13th region, Middlesboro, Appalachia, 606, and yeah. And he's brought Drew and Ryan and Shannon with him. Yeah. On ESPN Radio, he'll talk about the 13th region basketball tournament that's going on, like, like currently. Yeah. I think that's incredible yeah. for the region just to get that exposure. Yeah. No, no one knows what he's talking about, but it's so great. I, yeah. I it's great that he does that. Yeah. Three game shows, man. I'll have, and everybody makes fun of my little black composition notebooks that I still write all my stuff in and that's fine I don't care and I'll have literally 10 pages on Toledo you know before the show whatever and we'll get in there and then we'll start talking one one I went to Middlesbrough for a Friday night Kroger game and then was at a pregame show and we spent 10 minutes on I don't like to turn left okay so I didn't stop anywhere in Middlesbrough on my way out of town because I only eat on the right side of the road. I only stop on the right side of the road. <laughs> so you, and that, you'd be a terrible that, NASCAR driver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a thing. And I was like, listen, I got 10 pages on the Toledo ba- uh, uh, long snapper here. You know, Let, let's get into something. But it was all about how I, I don't like to turn left. And that turned into a whole thing. That's great. Again, we appreciate your time. We, we appreciate you talking yeah. about football, the importance of college football in Appalachia, and just to, you know, to kick off the season, this will come out week zero of the college football season. So we just want to thank you for your time and appreciate all you do. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Good talking to you. See y'all. What an impressive interview with uh, Freddie Maggard. It was great to catch up with him, hear some of his stories from childhood. And, uh, just to talk to him in general, man, wealth of knowledge when it comes to college football. He's got me excited for these Wildcats this year, and I'm looking forward to, to following them. Uh, I was just really happy that he came on with us and uh, brought us all his knowledge tonight. Yeah, I, I appreciate his time for sure. But, you know, you could hear his pride come out of the mountains, pride of the mountains, pride of being Appalachian, pride of the 606. I just loved hearing that from him, his humbleness, but also his spirit in regards to Appalachian. Yeah, there, there couldn't be a finer representative of Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia than Freddie Maggard. Really grateful for for him and, and what he represents. And like he said, Will, I, Appalachia, Eastern Kentucky, the 606 will always be home to him. And I appreciated him talking about going back over there to help out with the flood relief and the struggles that were going on. I know we mentioned that in the beginning, but also wanted to mention that again, just to hear it in his voice how devastating it is over there just to help out where you can you know housing we had an episode not too long ago on the housing issues the housing crisis throughout Appalachia housing is already a problem over there now half the houses are gone it's a hundredfold what it was so if you help out where you can in the long run to help rebuild please do yes, sir thanks again for mentioning that will i did want to ask you do, do you have an app biz of the week for us this week i do neil this app is Brownwood 
Farms produces some fine condiments. You know, I'm a condiment person. They've got barbecue sauces. They got ketchup. They got pasta sauces. They got jams, jellies, but it's in Athens, Ohio, home of Ohio University. They have one of my favorites. It is a ketchup. A lot of their products are infused with bourbon. They have three three flavors. They have kicking ketchup, obviously hot, bacon ketchup. All these are with bourbon, but my favorite, the dill pickle ketchup. You give me something with dill pickle and I'm going to eat it. So it's Brownwood Farms, but you can check them out at brownwoodfarms.com. Well, our listeners don't know, but there's nobody on earth that I know that likes condiments more than Will Warren. So if you say it's good, I know it's good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a connoisseur when it comes to condiments. So check it out. Support Appalachian. Do you have a favorite condiment, Neil? Actually, Will, quick story. So, you know, I've been traveling over in eastern Kentucky in the last week playing some football games or at least watching some football games, coaching some football games. So since you mentioned condiments, you know the only Rack's restaurant left in the United States of America is in Harlan, Kentucky. Did you know that? I did and not. They have they what? have rack sauce, Will. Is there a better condiment than rack sauce? Did you did you stop? Oh yeah, I've had it twice in the last five days. <laughs> I didn't know they still existed. Yeah, actually, well, I want to give a quick shout out. The owners of Racks are live in London, Kentucky. Paul Douglas, but his dad started that Racks 39 years ago, and they still operate that Racks over in uh, Harlan. So oh shout out to the Douglas family. That's a destination. You know, Freddie mentioned you got to try to go to Cumberland. I mean, I would go to Harlan County for racks. I would. For, yeah. You know, you travel, know, Freddie. I would Maggie. travel at least an hour for racks. <laughs> you know, Freddie magazine at that rack several times. <laughs> no, no doubt. When you do the rack sauce, do you mix it with horseradish? No, I just straight rack sauce, man. You don't want to. You don't want to mess up the rack sauce. You're onto a different mixture when you talk about the horseradish. Well, I, I can see that. That with, with the racks, I'll go straight racks. But when I go to Arby's, I mix the Arby sauce with the horsey sauce. Try that. Yeah. Give that. Give it gives the Arby sauce a little kick next time yeah, you're there. Check it out. Again, we appreciate Freddie Maggard's time. We appreciate what he does there at KSRs representing the 606. It's funny when, when you hear him on his podcast, when you hear him, and we mentioned this in the episode, but any light that they can bring to the 13th region any light that they can bring to the 606 is awesome in my eyes so i appreciate him doing that again i appreciate him what he does at ksr his support of kentucky football and the sec all right i guess we can end it like we usually do till next time peace i'm up in the mountains again i'm getting lighter the air's getting now I'm facing down with a grin I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains